So, yeah, I was just saying that, Maddie, I'm interested in your virtual reality um, experiences and how you've been engaging with, um, it sounds like kind of a relatively new art community, a new way for people to engage. And then, um, Philip, I know you're going down to Miami. I was actually on Instagram earlier and came across the Museum of Graffiti. And I thought that was such an interesting concept because we've talked about public art being this kind of art that, you know, while it's there, you can see it before it gets lost, before it changes, before something happens to it. And um, it got me thinking, you know, 50 years from now, fine art will be well-documented in, in, in galleries and in people's collections and traveling exhibits. But when it comes to street art or public art, graffiti, you know, where is the documentation taking place? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, how is it, how will we look back on works of art and then the um, progression of, and maybe like the culture and social aspects of what's being depicted mm -hmm. through murals, graffiti, whatever kind of, you know, public art, how, how will we have that documented to look back on? So the Museum of Graffiti was interesting to me to kind of pair those two, two entities and concepts together where public art, street art can be recorded and documented. And so it's interesting that the internet kind of allows us this platform to meet on that and it documents things, not formally, like an actual in-person gallery. Well, I mean, the Museum of Graffiti is an actual gallery you can go to, um, but but yeah, I think it's just interesting the way that internet plays a role in um, capturing that right now um, and creates its own kind of community for people to come and see and um, discuss and be part of. Yeah, in VR chat, that's where people are getting online and doing VR and stuff. Um, there's some pretty cool rooms too, where one is like, Vincent Van Gogh, the entire room is based on his paintings. Yeah, that's in St. Pete right it's now. It's like a traveling exhibit, right? So there's exhibits that are different from your typical exhibits, and it's pretty cool. There's also just like regular museums that you can go into, and there's not just art from, you know, famous artists, but art from new artists or people who are, you know, wanting to help bring some focus to artists who aren't really in public eye. And there's different like rooms set to different themes and stuff. And people all come together and there's like people from around the world. I mean, I've met people from England and people from Poland. It's really cool. That's awesome. I'm curious to know about, it's, you know, one of the masterpieces that we refer back to when we're taught art and stylistically speaking as well. Um, so the optics are all thrown off and it isn't how the artist initially intended for you to view the artwork. So I'm wondering if these shows are like attributed to someone else that is basically curating the show and how the artwork is perceived and experienced 
Van Gogh, that show in particular, because because it's it, it's like taking an actual artwork but turning it into something different with mm-hmm. digital media. When the pieces are translated into like a digital format and they're thrown up on a wall. Yeah, they have the uh, creators of each of the worlds, but usually the creators, they're not really, they're just trying to make something for everyone rather than, you know, like. Making it exclusive. Yeah. Opportunity to see it, yeah. I can um, look it up and share the room with you so you can see it. You're also able to get on it on your desktop. There's a lot of like desktop users and all. Is this specifically the VR stuff that you're using or the show itself, the Van Gogh? Um, it's one whole program and everyone downloads it. Have you ever heard of uh, Second Life? Mm-mm. Okay, well, it's like an online world and people uh, submit their own worlds that others can go to and visit and get together and meet others and you can create art. There's one that's like murals, so people can get together in a room and create a bunch of murals together. And outside of that, like, I mean, is there any way that these things that people create together collaboratively, is there like an exhibit? Like, can you save the work and then somebody posts it, like a virtual gallery of what is produced within the communities? Yeah, people share this stuff online and all, and uh, sometimes even within the rooms, they will share actual works that people have created. They'll have a, like, wall for exhibitions, for things that other users have created in the world. And then sometimes people go and they share it on their social media, like uh, Twitter. Well, do you have to have any special equipment to to do it because when I think of VR like I saw tooth where I worked we the digital and photography person managed to get a hold of a, a VR headset mm-hmm. so like I've gotten to play around a little bit with the headset and like drawing with a line and then getting to actually be behind the line that I just yeah. it from in the round it's a really awesome way to think about drawing and and how to understand more sculpturally modeling um, figures when you're drawing or painting. Mm-hmm. I think there's benefits to that in the classroom. If you were to apply what it sounds like, you know, what you're doing into the classroom, it's possible to create like a, a greater sense of community and collaboration in a different way, as well as like um, from a teaching um, point of view, just technically speaking, what you could yeah. achieve for kiddos that maybe learn in a different way. Uh, when you think about gardeners, multiple intelligences, you know, kiddos that computer makes more sense for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. But yeah, do, does it require other other pieces of equipment to be able to use it like a headset? Variety of people can just get on it with their laptops, but then you can also get on it uh, with a VR headset, which, you know, for if you use VR, it usually requires a certain a computer with certain graphics and processors uh, to be able to handle the VR headset. But there's also like a newer headset called the Quest, which runs by itself. So you don't have to have a computer, but you can plug it up into the computer. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of people on there that are using that. And it's more affordable as well than uh, most headsets. Even people who 
don't have headsets are able to come in and join the world because that's how I first started. I didn't have a headset and I thought it was really cool. Um, but it's awesome that they don't make it exclusive to VR so that a wider users are able to come on and use the platform to create art, make friends, have meaningful conversations. I mean, I've made some friends on this platform. It's really fantastic to be able to be so connected to people around the world in such a time where everyone's at home because of the pandemic. Yeah, it makes you kind of think about public art in a different way because the internet's public. Yeah. Um, it is a program that you do have to jump into to be able to see or use it and see it. But um, yeah, it's like a different spin, a modern day spin on this virtual world mm-hmm. of public art. Yeah, but I can definitely see the benefits in a classroom of using it. It would have to be moderated, but even if yeah. that could exist as a platform for an individual class where you could tell your class, you know, if you want to practice something at home, they could do it on their laptops if they didn't have supplies, especially like you're saying, it's pandemic time. Um, Access to certain resources just isn't um, possible right now. So this is kind of a solution, I guess. Mm -hmm. Philip, what do you think? Have you ever done any VR stuff? I have not. Nope. (laughs) Think of like, have you ever seen Ready Player One? No. Oh, well, it's kind of like that. No, I'm familiar with VR. Uh, yeah, I just haven't, I guess, quote unquote. Done. Yeah, I'm familiar with it on like different platforms and stuff and the new innovation, but I, I personally haven't played around with it as of yet. Gotcha. Well, Philip, what are some ways that you stay connected to the community? Is it primarily through your uh, mural work? Yes, staying connected to the community is pretty much the foundation of my art practice. Uh, it's going and exposing communities, the art that may not get the opportunity to experience art in any capacity. And so, um, yeah, public art is what I do. And so art that involves the public is one of the requirements of the work that I do. You get to have a lot of conversations with viewers as you are creating art or even like after it has been completed. Yeah, there's a lot of interaction and it, you know, it's all different depending on the actual project that we're doing, where the project is being done. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, the whole range from kids to uh, adults to senior citizens engage on projects and you know ask questions of myself of other artists as well as other community members that come at the same time and ask inquisitive questions about what it is that we're doing uh who gave us permission to do it uh how much does a project like this cost uh the whole gamut of questions that come about whenever you do public art and it it piques people's interest. And, you know, you have that opportunity to shape someone's mind um, about what their perspective should be on the art that you're doing in their community. Well, that's really awesome. I know 
it's um difficult with the pandemic going on have you noticed less people than usual that will come and watch you create your murals or ask questions uh no it's still uh the same i mean it's not a you know this is a smaller city town so it's uh uh, yeah the huge crush of people that you might get you know for a festival or something like that where it's multiple installations going on at one time or whatever but uh you know, uh, I would say going back to the virtual reality conversation, uh, there is some um, interesting things that are happening um, with public art. And one of those uh, things where technology and the virtual experiences is, is um, being introduced more with this style of public art is there's a thing called uh, mural mapping and um, mural mapping is basically like a light show installation that you know activates the art even more because it makes the art come alive uh that's been really cool also uh you can you can integrate your phone with an app that also makes the artwork come alive through a virtual experience uh that's pretty cool and a new thing to the space uh also uh, people will do um, light shows that interact with the artwork and is uh, based off of <clears throat> uh, musical performances. So that's also something really cool as well that adds to the virtual experience of it. That's, that's awesome. super duper cool because that like um, in, invigorates kind of a sense of nightlife where you know, people maybe don't visit a certain area at nighttime or go by certain places, but when there's something interactive like that or something to see at night or a way to engage with the art at night, it brings people, brings life to certain places mm-hmm. at a time that it wouldn't normally. So that's really cool. Um, I've yeah. seen light shows, but I've never actually seen one interacting with a with an actual mural itself. So correct me if I'm misunderstanding, so is it like a, an actual painted mural that at night there is a light show that goes over it? Or are you just talking about a light show that is like a mural at night on a wall? No, nah, well, I mean, both. It could be multiple ways. Uh, yeah, but I mean, in its basic form, yes, it's, it's artwork that is virtual artists will come and create um, a light show uh, that you know moves to the different color palettes within the artwork and kind of and then even that it changes the color palette because you know some are left in the dark and some are lit up with the light uh source and so it's all a pretty cool experience mural mapping that kind of reminds me of david lynch's six men getting sick six times where it was like sculptures of his head and he had projections onto the sculptures that made them look animated yeah and to go back to like documenting public artwork and murals specifically is there a practice for you philip that you kind of 
engage in or do like, or, or I guess even you have, I can't remember his name, Gabe, who comes and films the process of the mural making itself. Uh -huh. So that serves as, as kind of documentation, I suppose. But do you like keep that for your personal records or is there anywhere that that ends up that, um, I guess the memory of, or someplace that documents like murals in the city of Greensboro that existed this year, I guess is kind of what I'm asking. Uh, both ends up in my own personal YouTube uh, business page. And then sometimes whatever, it is actually uh, followed through. The city does have a, the public art endowment does have a website that uh, you can uh, catalog projects on, but it's not updated regularly enough. Which I guess that just has to do with funding for the city and whomever is in charge of doing that. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess just city funding and um, yeah, Philip was talking about about the city putting it on their page um, and is a way of like marketing for the city too. people right. interested in the arts are coming if they go to the website, they can find things like that. Um, so I think that's an important kind of structural system to have in place for cities to have something like that to support the artists and community at large too. Yeah, that's really, uh, that's really interesting. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting too. They were saying that they want like three different artists on the board of the committee of nine people, then two other people with arts experience, and then four people that may or do not have to have any like art experience. I thought that was interesting um, to not include more, more artists with a vision on an actual committee that's for public art. And maybe there's a political kind of reason for that, where all people in our community are not artists. So I guess there's that side of it, getting that perspective, but. Yeah, okay, so we've got like a little over a minute. Um, is there anything in this next like 30 minutes that you guys want to talk about in particular? I now remembered that that room is not in VR chat, is actually in Steam VR. That's what it's called. Like in, you could just search it on the internet and you could find it. Yeah. In it's in, it's in, well, Steam is the, um, uh, program where you can buy and uh, download games. So that in itself, I mean, the STEAM movement is, you know, science, technology, mm -hmm. engineering, art, and math. So it's all in.
like there's all different kinds of things, discussions and workshops that it offers, which seems like it would be interesting for uh, an art teacher to use or, or, you know, in the art world, an interesting platform for students to use and engage in. These are um, mostly uh, video games, but there's like, I think there's some art ones and there's some like 3D programs and things that you can download from here. Yeah, there's a VR art gallery, an art museum. It's mostly video games, but there's some programs on here. There's nothing quite like experiencing it in person, but technology is pretty cool. Can you share the screen, Maddie? Yeah, this is the um, the art gallery. So it just looks like some simple stuff. Sorry, there's an airplane above me. VR chat is the community that I was talking about. This is Steam. This is where you can actually download it along with some other VR art things. And um, when I was in high school, I had a game art class and my teacher actually started getting some VR headsets and he had some programs where we could draw in them. And I know the Spanish teacher he actually brought his class in so that they could do VR with uh, Spain, like visiting Spain, seeing Spain. So that was really cool. Yeah, technology has came a long way. This is the um, community. Interesting to me. That's pretty cool. So this semester I was also taking a class, um, an art history class on the early Renaissance and how thinking about history and socially things that are going on that then transpire into something else, like the rebirth of an art movement or something mm-hmm. something new, like the, the, the Renaissance. Um, and comparatively, I think we're in a time now where socially there's a lot going on and so it, it, it prompts more voices to be heard and voices to be used in other ways. And so it's that technology plays a role in today's art and what's being created and who can access or see it. Um, But also the way in which you can engage with students or people in your community now um, with like what is, what the boundaries are for, for talking about or communicating through art on subjects. Anyway, it's just interesting to think about the time we're living in right now through this pandemic, opening the doors for art and meeting places like what you're doing, Maddie, um, for people to come together and have conversations and to to be seeking places to have conversations. Yeah, like Philip with that mural with, what was his name? Oh gosh, Dragon. Uh, Dragon 76. Yeah. Um, and, and including the Native American, I wonder if, um, I know there was the, the person that came by and said, you know, I really don't like what you're doing. And I wonder if they would have felt so empowered to come by and say something like that before kind of this year. Mm-hmm. And for art, art to be that foundation and that connection is, is cool as an opportunity. Philip, would you say that you're kind of at a place now where doors, more doors are opening up as far as your art career and, and what lies in front of you? Um, yes, uh, the short of it. I mean, you know, there's always 
opportunity. It's just how you're in a position to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of doors opening, a lot, a lot of doors closing, and you know, you just <clears throat> deal with it daily as it comes. Uh, no, I was looking at a word that represents some aspects of these cultures that we're talking about, the um, virtual culture uh, that most creative and society spaces are moving to, you know, in this post-COVID world. And so I was wanting to ask Maddie, was she familiar with uh, the term of kawaii culture and otaku culture? Yes. yes. What is that? <laughs> so otaku, it's kind of like geek here in America, but over in Japan, an otaku is someone who obsesses over anime culture. But it's, that's so cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So that it's just... Really the lights are changing to make it look like it's moving or like colors are changing. Animating. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's so awesome. Usually used as a negative term, but over in uh, America, people tend to call themselves otakus when they really like anime culture. And then kawaii is, it means cute, something cute in Japan. And so, you know, people, they say, oh, that's so kawaii. Have you guys heard that term? Mm -mm. Um, um, so in Japan, senpai is like uh, someone who's a grade above you or someone older than you that you look up to. And so there's a whole culture over in America now where people are saying like, notice me senpai and stuff like that. So it's really interesting to see kind of America taking on some Japanese culture. What's your what's your thoughts on um, the virtual gaming that you do, and is um, is that a part of that whole Japanese anime culture and influence? Oh, absolutely! A lot of the models uh, or avatars in the community that I'm in, they are anime or like they have anime features. You can tell it's been very influenced by Japanese culture. Um, and there's even some rooms that are uh, 3D models made by Japanese creators. Um, <clears throat> but it, it's really interesting because even if you're not in like an art world doing art, the models that you're using and the world that you're in is art uh, because it's all been created by someone. Somebody has modeled these characters and they took a lot of time and energy and put a lot of heart into everything that they've created. So it, it's really cool. I mean, even a lot of people have conversations with each other like, oh, where did you get your avatar from? It's really exciting to me because I even I do 3D modeling, so I uh, I make a lot of characters and background stuff. But to be able to have a community where I can utilize these things and I can do it, you know, for myself and for others, 
versus, um, you know, being required to in a job, you know, doing something for fun to give to the community. It's really fun. Do you think that uh, the parallels to the world that you have been operating in, um, which is these virtual rooms, how long has that culture uh, been popular uh, with your age group? Um, let's see. So, you know, VR started up and it was pretty popular, but um, VR chat is still pretty new. Like, they're not even finished creating it, I think. I think it's still in like early access. So, it's all very brand new. And even me and my friends will get online and play in VR chat some. But I guess like maybe just uh, a couple of years, maybe like two years, it's been steadily growing, the community has. And it's interesting and, you know, you wonder where it's going to go in a couple more years. What else is going to be added and how many more people are going to be in here? Almost like a um, Sims community. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's, so it went it went from what Sims to what is it? Uh, Ro Roblox or something like that. Oh yeah, Roblox. This is something that kids these days are getting really into. Uh, when I was doing my practicum, a lot of them were talking about like Roblox and Minecraft and Pokemon. So a lot of them are playing video games. A lot of them are watching anime. And then when I was growing up, playing and watching these sort of things made you a nerd. So it's interesting to see it become popular culture. I want to share this video with you guys. Can you allow me to share my screen? <laughs> Maybe that, that's less, less uh, uh, light power. Maybe this projector or the same thing. Could you guys see it? Yeah, is that the mural mapping? Yes. That is Whoa. so cool. Look at, look at his eye. That's not at all what I was thinking. I was thinking of it more like, um, like a projected light from in front of it. The colors and then the, the eye closing is animated. And it did a whole lot more than that. That was just like one right. fraction and section of it, but yeah. So how do they go about creating that? It was it was on like truck, um, I don't a loading dock. A loading dock. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, they did the artwork and then did the virtual mapping afterwards. And there's actually that same artist that was down in, in in Charlotte, but the same artist came and did. I bought him to uh, Greensboro. He did that's another installation on the back of uh, Red Cinema. That is so cool. I'm. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. So does that mean that that is something that can be exhibited or shown in multiple places and not just one location? It's well, mobile. every location is is site specific. Oh, okay. Well, Loading dock. I imagine those might be kind of standard, but maybe not. Yeah, um, no. I mean, it's, again, it's all just different. It, you map the location out to what it just just what it is. Mm -hmm. Like a complex um, uh, technological installation. 
so forgive me for still not understanding like is part of it painted and then they go back and just add the lighting in the video portion yes okay wow it was a my name is philip marsh and it was a pleasure to be a part of this podcast with both of you and it was very informative and to what I learned about the progression of virtual reality and how it's used not only in other practices but currently in the marketplace of public art as well. Totally and, and I'm Allie Caps, and I thank you guys both for bringing your your passion to the table and, and us taking the trip together talking about it. My name's Madison Williams and I am uh, very thankful to have had this conversation with you both. And I feel I've learned a lot about mural art and the future of art during this pandemic and how, you know, we can all come together as a community.